Hi guys, welcome back to the Earthy Delights podcast. Uh, today we have quite a topical podcast for you, um, oh, topical podcast for you, uh, as seen as yesterday was um, National um, Worldwide Autism Dance Day. Um, well, we've got an autism uh, podcast for you today from my good friend, Mitch. Mitch is someone that I've known since I was about 16, 15, 16, 17, um, and he's one of the funniest people that I know, uh, so I'm sure he's going to have some funny stories for us today. One of the best stories... Um, which maybe maybe actually I'll tell you when Mitch is on because I think it's funnier when he's on. But hopefully, friends, you enjoy this podcast. Uh, uh, please welcome Mitch Hunt. How you doing, boy? Hello, Sebby. Yeah, I'm not too bad. And you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm getting getting a bit grumpy now. Um, <laughs> with, with sure, the, the coronavirus computers aren't keeping you happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. I've been I've been uh, normally things that don't wind me up so much because I can't. I literally cannot leave the house. Um, I'm they're starting to grate on me. So the one is my neighbour for some reason. Every time they brush their teeth, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but every time they brush their teeth, they like do this thing <laughs> where where they spit it out. They're like, <sighs> oh. and then like. <clears throat> Like, but like they do it like three, four, five times, um, and it's like, mate, like if you're brushing your tonsils, I think you're going too far, you know? Yes. Like 100%. I'm all for like, <laughs> I'm all for mouth hygiene, but I mean, it's just a bit too far. Throat so I get a bit wet- too much. <laughs> yeah, so I get woken up by it, and then I get put to sleep by it as well. It's just oh, it's so annoying. Um, the by. I know, and then yeah, the, like you said, the pizza things found. Uh, we all know the types, don't we? <laughs> these these really like physically fit girls, you know, have the perfect bodies and everything else. And fair play to them, you know. I wish I did, but um, <laughs> all of all of a sudden, tweeting or, or worst still, putting their Instagram with their perfect bodies and then captioning it like, "I'm so fat now because of Corona." And it's like <laughs> your photo, your photo literally shows me that you are like impressed pristine condition i wish i could blame it on corona to be well to be fair it is a type of corona why i'm out of shape uh... (laughs) yeah the the beer not the disease (laughs) no no no. a worse kind (laughs) yeah i know i mean the thing is i feel like you've got to choose a lane you know i've been in the chunky monkey lane my whole life so it's just a lifestyle to me but you can't be you can't be an instagram girl and uh, be doing all the gym stuff, which is commendable, like I say. And then when you feel like it because you've eaten three Pringles, call yourself fat. You know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work out that way. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's like imagine if Bill Gates posted a picture saying like, "I'm so poor." He he he. It's like, what are you playing? Payday. I need payday. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. It's just like, oh, come on, boy, come on. Go on. So yeah, yeah so uh, I'm trying to not let this stuff get to me. And I, I know that the answer would be, "Oh, Seb, just don't go on your social media." But because I'm not allowed out of my house it's just you just do it because i'm so bored um well yeah that, i think that, it's proven this whole period is how much we take for granted i mean even um even people in uh, the uk where there's slightly different rules to what you're under in spain where you're not allowed to go out yeah. at all uh, apart mm. from the essentials and not in the uk yeah. when they say essential travel and you can go for a walk or exercise you're not allowed out are you and people no, are abusing it in the uk so yeah I know I, we're hoping that like hopefully in the next couple of weeks we kind of they kind of lax the rules a little bit and maybe we kind of get what's happening in England I mean we're so because obviously all I can see is just my street I can just see out my window that's all I can see is it all I have street? seen about, it's not a bad street but it's all I've seen for about the last two months and I, like a couple of weeks ago some uh some policeman came by on a horse 
and like Louisa and I, I was like, Louisa, Louisa, look, there's a horse, there's a horse. And like, we ran to the window just to get some sort of like visual stimulation. That is. <laughs> I saw something yeah, quite I mean. funny um, on some sort of social media of, I think now we know what our dogs go through when you see them sat oh, on, the, yeah. on the sofa looking out the window. Anything mm. is interesting now. 100% I 100% agree with that I just wish that I could go on walkies like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like these dogs <laughs> because at the moment I can't have to saying that I can just see a lovely golden retriever walking past my house right now nice you know how much of the dogs I know I love dogs it's like I've been I've been half thinking like we should get a dog just so that we can take them out for walks during corona you know exactly. but, um, but yeah anyway listen let's go let's go into straight into the 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 uh, main conversation obviously um it's not yourself that has uh, autism it's your brother yeah 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 that's correct yeah so so basically guys obviously um for anyone who's kind of semi-aware of, of autism and what it means to be autistic that they, they would know that there's an absolutely massive spectrum probably more than any other kind of um disease or or, or any other kind of mental illness or however you want to describe it it's kind of this massive spectrum and and uh so we're, we're not this isn't going to be a doctor's episode where you're going to give scientific facts and this that and the other you know this is just Mitch is just going to be speaking from his experience, what he's seen kind of living with someone who's had it. Um, is Your brother's a high functioning. Um, yeah, so he's high functioning. Yeah. Uh, I'll go into the two types. Yeah. So functioning basically explains how well they can cope in society. Uh, low functioning means they can't, well, they can't function. Uh, they'll need uh, care, maybe an actual allocated uh, care worker to be with them throughout their life. Mm. Um self-sustaining i guess ben's high functioning uh high functioning is it's one of the most interesting uh disorders that there is because there's so many people that you'll know and respect who's uh who suffer from, i don't even mean to say suffer from to be honest because it can it unlocks doors that most of us uh the most uh, most of the population don't have for example bill gates um He's one who has been um, who has characteristics of autism. Um, I believe Einstein and Steve Jobs did. So all of these people have done amazing things for society and have been successful in business and science. Um, mm. They have they have a, a form of autism or high functioning. Um, so there's, yeah, like you say, there's a huge spectrum. It affects people in different ways. There's um, affects social ability um sensory and there's also a third but i'm not aware of it i haven't i haven't read it but yeah like you say a a vast variety of different types and effects that it can have on a person yeah you're like your brother was i never met him but obviously we went to i went to school i think just after he may have left um probably heard so his legacy I, it, yeah exactly I, I heard fables of this, of this ben mitt of this ben hunt and i'm like oh who's this character but he was um i say was i mean he's still alive but like mm. from what i know like he's a a bit of a troublemaker is that fair to say yeah 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 exactly and it is at, at school i think he was i think that was by the end of his gcse's i think he was in uh, he was in full-time isolation i believe he got School school was actually fairly uh, did fairly well and treated him um, in the way that you would you would hope. Uh, it's a disorder that you can help. Um, but it got to the end and just before exams, I think he got put on sort of like uh, what was it called? Exclude. He got excluded until he did, sat his exams mm. for quite a while. Um, so there is some like stats on it, and I think 
I think autistic people, um, let's just have a look. I've got a stat here. Basically, yeah, the large mean? amounts of them have uh, have been either excluded and expelled uh, from school. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just that social thing. Um, one of the one of the characteristics is just dif- difficulty um, concentrating, listening and understanding, expressing mm. feelings, sensing and interpreting people's feelings. So all of the social skills. And in yeah. school, it's just one social <laughs> social part, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, people, yeah, people who are struggling with these are going to really, really struggle in that environment. Yeah. I, did, did, did they know – I was reading up and um... – you know, they were saying that from what I've, from what I understand anyway, there's like, there's no such cure, you know, it's not like you can take a pill and then you, you've done autism, but they're yeah. saying that what you can do is obviously with therapy and understanding with your family members and stuff, you can really kind of help it to, to make it more manageable basically. Um, but what they're saying was one of the keys to that is like really early diagnosis. And they're saying that I think the earliest you can diagnose someone with autism is about two years old. Yeah. Like how, how early was Ben diagnosed with with autism? Ben was, uh, I think, fairly late, and the, uh, I guess one of the difficulties with high functioning is you can almost describe it as an invisible disorder. So right. Ben was obviously there was he had difficulties um, uh, socialising, making friends, and was always uh, in trouble. But mm. really, kids that age, you always get naughty kids in schools. So he he got yeah. diagnosed at fourteen. And yeah. even then, like for one of the fastest emerging disorders, it's probably the most um, underfunded. So mm. even when you get diagnosed, the help that Ben's managed to receive is limited at best. So yeah. there is there is ways, and it says that, uh, like you say, um, early identification um, of somebody having autism, uh, you can put. Uh, strategies in place to um, mm. interventions to help um, but it's not e- it's not always easy identifying that I mean with low functioning you can sort of see it quite early on it's more it's more there it's more noticeable yeah it's more it's more apparent isn't it yeah yeah exactly so uh, Ben got diagnosed in secondary school I think I think he was around 14 uh, so it's quite late quite late yeah really late yeah and um, yeah that it's difficult like people at that age don't want to be diagnosed with things it's like on every on every episode it's this stigma of mental health mm. these Ben probably probably would have known that oh there's something why why do I think this way in this situation but not understanding why but as soon as you put a label on it like people our age don't want to be labeled oh he's got autism or whatever yeah yeah and yeah. makes you stand out from the crowd doesn't it and that's li- when you're at school it's like the last thing you want to do is you, you want to blend in then, rather than stand out and exactly. when you have a label it's even worse than it because unfortunately when we're that age i think we've all been it i've definitely been it. we can be fairly horrible you know and you can if you've got a label to pick someone out by then it's even worse or slash easier to be a bit kind of um not as accepting i think is the way to put it at least exactly i think you you're know. young and you're quite naive in a way that i think we've all to be fair i anybody who says they haven't said a nasty comment to someone in school i believe is lying like i'd be mm. big enough to admit it on on air that even with a brother who has been um diagnosed with a disorder 
if I haven't said something horrible, maybe not directly about a disorder or about a condition, but something yeah. maybe uh, a characteristic of a disorder, and I've said, oh, you're this, you're that, then I'd be lying. Definitely have said something. Everyone said something horrible about somebody, I'm sure. Like, yeah. And you just don't, you don't really see the effect that you have on that person. Um, mm. I mean, with with autism high functioning autism especially when they're quite aware of of themselves and the condition they have i've got a quote here that i read which is um to me is having a mind that works for me and against me at the same time Mm. which is horrendous because you're always in like in a battle with yourself which leads to all of the different uh i think what the word is it's like comorbid where um different disorders are present and mental health um comes into play so ben's also been diagnosed with depression and it's mm-hmm. to do with that fight with oh my, my mind's against me why is my mind making me think this way also yeah. when you're very aware that oh i don't know if i'm acting right in this situ- in this social situation and therefore anxiety mm-hmm. comes about it you stay away there was another yeah sat that i saw online like 30 percent of people with autism are in full-time employment and yeah and i wanted to come on as well to sort of say effect on family but also from my personal perspective of how unfair i've been to my brother and being young and having an older brother who's mean and whatever you like grow to sort of like resent them whatever but you yeah, I think when you get a bit a uh, bit older, you sort of and a bit more mature, you sort of appreciate what they're going through. So I wanted to come on on and I don't know, sort of like a for my brother on auto, on autism day for autism day to spread awareness yeah. about about it because it's not just only the I think there's seven hundred thousand people who suffer with autism in the UK, but if you include mm. the families that live with um, uh, these people it affects 2.8 million people in total which is huge yeah 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 uh, well I, mem- I remember you said something to me you said uh probably last time like we, when we met up i think uh, over christmas you said something like um the thing is there is like uh, my, my parents for example they can't really go on like, we can't really go on holiday because he was like if we bring ben along like if it's a family holiday like then we'll always kind of on eggshells like oh shit this might go down at any moment then you're like but also if we leave him to his own devices like if we go away and we leave him you know in metheringham or or rusco or whatever then we're also like shitting ourselves because then it's like oh well what's he gonna do while we're away you know and i was like oh jesus like having that kind of perpetual worry in the back of your head for someone who you know he's a fully grown man it's not like he's a yeah, yeah, fourteen year old anymore. Uh, must be so so draining on on, on all of yourselves on, on your on you. And like you said, sure, I can't. I can only imagine. But that that resentment, especially when you're young, you know, when it's like, oh, Ben's always kind of messing it up for all of us. You know, like he, with me and your sister, like really well behaved, this that, and the other. And then like Ben does something, and like we're kind of all in the shit together now. And I can only imagine that that would create some sort of resentment when you're younger. Yeah, hundred you percent. When I was younger, and looking back, it was totally wrong of me to act in the way in the way that I did. Like mm. I was, I thought that my mum and dad were selfish for to keep on supporting him after like the like you say the uh i guess the treatment of 
me me and my sister which like yeah. wasn't really bad but it was just like this arguments going on like holidays something could kick off and just like oh this is a normal childhood but who am I to say oh this is unfair on me when my brother's been born with a disorder where he can't live at any point in his life uh free of this where mm. when I'm I moved out when I was 18 for uni I'm free of it so now where I'm older I can I really, really appreciate what he's going through, and and yeah, like the, the way I like putting pressure on mum and dad, like I'll just kick him out. It would be so much better without him. Like how horrible that sounds on this podcast when you live with somebody who's quite hard to hard to be around. Um, it's yeah, it's it's difficult, but I'm glad that I'm at the age now. I look back and go like my mum and dad are probably the strongest people I know from to to have that i don't know what's the word selflessness and sacrifice yeah and, and resilience as well resilience as well like they they they've had um like problems with bear it hasn't been an easy road whatsoever but they've always stuck by him no matter what and mm. tried to get him the support they've yeah he he still lives with them now and they'll keep supporting him until he can he can move out and they'll still be there forever so i'm quite like proud to have the parents i do and um now that i'm a bit older and i'm a bit more read up about the whole disorder and how it affects people like like i feel sorry i feel more more like i should be like my parents than how i was putting unfair pressure on them saying i'll abandon your child who's not choose to be he doesn't choose that the way he does yeah i think i think as well that you know it's a natural it's a natural um progression you know i don't think there's any child whether it's autism or whatever it may be i think we kind of see the world as very like just black or white like you're bad or you're good and that's that and we kind of don't appreciate the nuances and then as as we get older you know you start you know i remember when i was younger i used to think that depression was just like oh you're just a bit sad like just get over it you know like just get over it be happy and that's it and then like you experience it or whatever it may be and then you go oh no depression (laughs) it's not just you're you're a bit sad it's a lot more than that that. and you're not choosing to be sad it's not yeah, uh, it's very it's a difficult uh, I guess hole yeah, to to get out of and yeah yeah uh, it does uh, like with with age you become less naive and you start looking mm. uh, looking at the world through different people's different eyes and your empathy improves so it's I feel like I'm probably in the best position of, and the best relationship that I've had with my brother for quite some time because of the change yeah. of my attitude towards it whereas mm. now i'm a friend and a part of his support network yeah. and i like being part of his support network like he's actually he is such a nice person it's just um it's situations that he can't cope in so um like very conscious to get across in this podcast this is the stories obviously that that'll tell um oh my god he sounds like but i see it as me my family with my brother and we're fighting against the disorder instead of oh i don't like ben because he is the disorder sort of thing so it's separating him from from what he's suffering with 
Yeah, he has autism. He he, he isn't autism, you know? Exactly, exactly. And yeah. there's no choice in it, which is just sad. And yeah, who am I to go? Oh, I'm not going to have any effort on you because yeah. it's just, it'll be just so unfair to do it. Yeah. That's what I was like before. Back, to, yeah, well, I mean, it's good to see that you've kind of, you've got to that stage where you can now kind of be there and, and like you said, be part of his support system. Just to bring it back, Mitch, um, for people who maybe aren't aware or like when you're talking about like these episodes and like these stories, like can you name a few, can you give a few examples of like what's happened where you go, oh, like if Ben, this is like Ben, class, a classic Ben, like this is just what he does or <laughs> whatever yeah, it may be where you go, oh, yeah, you fine. Know I mean? Yeah, so um, one of the main um points that people with autism suffer with is uh changes to routine so on holidays right. he, um basically at the start of every holiday there used to be a big episode and we went to butlands and i think it was to do with um ben's autism not the state of butlands but <laughs> um, <Yeah>. we, <laughs> we got into the apartment and he was obviously on edge he was quite nervous he was he didn't know how to act with a new place a lot of well, Butlins is quite social. You're always in big crowds and stuff. Mm. Um, uh, I think he like well, he he flipped basically the whole the whole apartment upside down. And uh, when we were out unpacking, and you could just tell he couldn't cope there. So that's one. This that's like change. Just go in and go in. Wow, like, and it got to the point where you just like, well, we expected this. So <laughs> yeah, is is what's going to happen on. Uh, on holidays just the change of scenery it's really hard um to cope with um mm. the worst points was like family and social events so for example the christmas just gone by uh, gone back from work i don't really go back uh, home that often now but went back for christmas um nan came around uh, she lives in birmingham so she doesn't really take she she can't really travel up it's um a couple of hours that much so uh, me and oh no, it wasn't this Christmas. It was last Christmas, um, right? Uh, the Christmas before, um, and uh, you could tell like he was boiling, boiling mm-hmm. up. And me and my family know how to deal with it when he's at boiling point. You sort of give him the space. So we uh, we're all sat down for Christmas, uh, Christmas dinner. It's happy times. Mm-hmm. Looking on social media, looking everyone's having a great time and uh so gets to this point where ben's ben's obviously struggling um he basically flips he <laughs> lobs his dinner on the floor um other people's dinner he starts lobbing glasses around so we all go out i think it was like a basically room christmas basically but it's just the it's those social events with new people in the house and i guess structure and sitting down at a table uh it feels mm. For Ben, I can only imagine it feels quite confined, like and almost like claustrophobic in a situation yeah. you don't want to be in. So obviously that Christmas was was ruined, except for Buddy, who got a few uh, a few turkey legs. Uh, the dog, <laughs> uh, he, he basically got like four four Christmas dinners in one day, so he had a good time. <laughs> it's always some sort of positive, and then yeah, always one silver lining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You take all these, take all these, I guess horrible events obviously christmas is for family and a big 
big day in everybody's year and special day to spend time with your family have dinner it was obviously ruined you go on instagram see all these all these families having great times and you think i wish i could have that but when you look back and yeah just just like bring so just interrupt there but like for example you know when when you say like oh he loved the 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 plate on the floor with all the food on it like like how does it happen like what is he just sitting there and it's i'm just trying to so for example i can't imagine it because i've never kind of i don't really maybe i have yeah it follows the same sort of sequence where he'll start trying to get attention okay on 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 himself i don't know if that's a coping mechanism if he's trying to uh sort of give us a sign that he's struggling and whatever so he starts misbehaving i think he'll just like tease my sister or stop like just annoying people doing stuff to annoy starting arguments someone mm. will eventually bite back and then right. tell them oh we don't want you here i'll just like leave slow nobody wants you in the house and then it'll just be a flip so there's it seems like he's after that bite but i don't think he is i think from his right, side okay. it's all about knowing how to treat the situation and in no uh, shape or form am I talking about everybody who's uh, a family member of someone with autism they like I guess people with autism have different ways of of treating yeah we've got they're struggling with um Ben's is that I don't know if it's a sign but it's the support out there is as much for people with autism coping or and also families how to cope with situations when they come about mm. so um my nan was there and she she lives quite far away she knows ben from when we were growing up we moved away um i think we i think ben was probably about 13 before he got diagnosed so really only direct family know how to deal with situations like that so nan was like oh i'm not i'm not moving i'm not letting you ruin her and that's i'm not letting you ruin like Christmas or whatever, and that's the worst thing to do. So at that right, point yeah. when Ben, when the argument breaks out, the best thing is, uh, what's the word? Um, damage limitation, sort of. You go, fair enough, we'll give you space. It's not the way like you want Christmas to go, but yeah, you appreciate who, who you're living with. Situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you go, well, this, this is going to happen because this isn't Ben, this is autism. As, as I keep going back to segregating, saying, I don't want to fall out with you, but I don't want, I guess, yeah, I don't want to push you into something that the autism will uh, make a huge, huge argument and just ruin the whole day. That day mm-hmm. it did, it did blow, uh, blow up and the day was ruined. But like since... I think we've all learned how to deal with it and it's definitely a better a better household than it was before knowing. I guess we were quite ignorant to it. Oh, you've you've got autism, but I used to say to my mum, Oh, autism's not real. Like he yeah. each like there's things called personalities, Ben's just a dickhead or whatever. But <laughs> like, yeah. like I used to be so I didn't read up about it, I didn't want to read up about it, I didn't want to give him an excuse for the way he was. I wanted him out of all of my family's life and wanted a happy life but how unfair would that be after reading and being less ignorant about the uh, disorder mm. yeah it's crazy but there's more like every holiday used to birthdays it was always the it was always the same 
um, mm. things would just blow up. And it got to the point where, like, fam, like we grew distant from family, I guess. Right. <laughs> like there was, um, we used to go sometimes with family and then, then we'd always used to play up and it's a few bad, bad times on holiday. And then the family sort of was like, oh, like we want to come and see you all, but like, it's just going to be ruined. And what, what's the point? Mm-hmm. So and it was all about that thing where, <coughs> sorry, I was going to burp. And I thought that'd be really so <laughs> disguised, disguise it with a car. <laughs> um, uh, where it took me like, it took me 10 years almost to understand autism and stand and appreciate that what my brother's going through if some if people don't live with ben they're obviously not going to realize so i appreciate everyone's point of view saying oh ben what mm. why does he act like this and and i guess people won't know people won't know until they they actually i guess really see it from his point of view read about autism and i don't blame anyone not to it took me 10 years to actually try and understand it and give not give my brother an excuse but understand why he's understanding yeah 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 i I think as well you know it is much think um this is goes for all of us and me included that we can we can sometimes become very lazy in our assumptions and of people you know it's just like oh this person's a good person this person's a bad person this person's funny this person's that i mean it's just like we categorize people because it's a nice it's just easy for us to do and then once you've kind of got someone in that box it's just easier for you know i always kind of bring up the example of piers morgan you know everyone always well not everyone but a lot of people think that piers morgan is just like this horrible man and you know people might, might use worse language than that but but then i always go <laughs> i always go you yeah, look deep deeper into it i mean <clears throat> part of it is okay yeah sometimes he does say some quite outlandish things but why is he saying those things he's probably saying those things because it helps him in his career you know would he be where he is at now if he if he wasn't known for these things and then you look at other things you know in this coronavirus times is a perfect example of actually he he's not an idiot like he's a smart smart guy and he has some very good points and he makes some very good points you know he's been probably the the biggest person in england pressuring the government to do the right things and i've had people who have come to me because they think i'm a piers morgan supporter it's not i'm his supporter i just know that sometimes he makes good points i agree with and sometimes he doesn't make good points but i'm not going to categorize him as oh he's just an awful person you know he's a dickhead or whatever like whatever you want to use and so people come up to me and go oh i've been really surprised by poor piers morgan in this uh, coronavirus times and i just think that's a perfect example of where people have just written him off you know yeah. and it's the same it can be the same with your brother or you know someone who maybe is depressed they go oh he's just upset all the time it's like no no like there's it's deeper levels but the thing is if you go down that road of like okay well let's actually analyze this person properly and uh, rather than just calling him one thing and putting him in a box it takes a lot of effort and it can take a lot of time and i understand you know people get like ah oh, well it's just easier to it's just easier to call ben a bad person or like a uh uh you know an aggressive person rather than to go into and go, no like when ben's on a, on a good day ben's one of the nicest people around problem is he has this he suffers with autism and sometimes it affects him worse other days it doesn't affect him so much but you can't but it's just easier to call him oh no he's a he's a lost cause you know i forget about him type exactly of thing. i think you've hit the nail on how i think you said it better than i did <laughs> 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 yeah it's totally that it's not taking time to to understand the buried motives or the buried reasons which don't mm. which i think people take things at face value they don't go why why is that the face value what's behind that face value Mm. of that action of that attitude of that behavior and 
I mean, it's it, it's because it's time consuming. It's effort. It is. Yeah, that's what and, it is. It's, uh, all it, and to some extent, I extend it, Mitch, as well. You know, you, you come to a point where you go, look. As much as I want to be empathetic and all the rest of it, you know, I can't spend time getting to know every single person's backstory. And I don't think that's necessarily. I don't think that's necessary. I think what you can do is you can just go, okay, look, this guy. You know, I met Ben today for the first time and he did this, right? He threw the food on the floor, whatever it may be. But I think even if you don't want to necessarily go into it, just to acknowledge the fact that you go, okay, well, there's probably more to this story. Like he did this. It's a bit of a dicker thing to do. um, But the chances are there's probably more to the story. And just leave it at that. But at least you have that empathetic feeling where you go, oh, there's probably more to this. I always think no one is... And we're all like capable of doing some very horrible things, right? But no one is the worst side that they portray. Like I've said and done horrible things in my time. You know, my parents have, my sister has, my best friends have, but that doesn't mean they're bad people. You just catch them on a bad day in the wrong situation and anyone can be, show a bad side to them, you know? Um, so I, none of us are the worst examples that we show. There's always more to it. And obviously then when you have a you know, something like autism, which is actually labeled and also very, very difficult to kind of get to terms with. Because I think the other thing as well with autism more so than other illnesses or diseases or mental illnesses is that um, it's not one box, fit, one one shoe fits all, you know, like, so, so you have someone like Ben, who, like you said, is high functioning, but then even then you might, I remember I watched a documentary ages ago now, it's coming to mind, where someone who was autistic, they took them up in a helicopter uh, over London mm-hmm. and they said like, right, take a snapshot in your own mind of the view. Right. And so, and what they did is they took a photo next to him. They didn't really, like, the guy didn't know that they were taking a photo. And then they said, right, he was, the guy was a painter, the autistic guy was a painter. And, uh, and then anyway, they came back down to London and then they, right, paint that view that you had in your mind. And so he painted it and he got it perfect, like, as in perfect. Every detail that, not just like, oh, yeah, he did Big Ben well. No, like, every single detail, like, the minute hands were perfect the the cars were the right color do you know what I mean all of this stuff that mean you and I would have never have got that in a million years doesn't matter how good we are of a painter and so but then so then you look at him or well, he's high functioning autism but he's completely different to Ben and then you have low functioning people so it's so time consuming to kind of get your head around that you know that it's just easy just to go oh well he's just this type of person he's just aggressive you know yeah it's just you, his personality and it's because yeah autism is so it's just so vast that it almost is like a personality if you suffer from it because yeah, there's no yeah. two type there's no the same two people with the same autism there might be some yeah, there might be some um some similarities but that's same personality like people yeah. have s- certain characteristics but they're always they've always got some sort of uniqueness and that's the same with autism so ben like the uh, like the uh, person you described about this uh london snapshot so mm. <coughs> uh example of ben being similar to that is um so he went into an interview and he's never been able to hold down a job because of the social side of work mm. again similar to school um mm-hmm. but he sat in an interview and it was um gas turbines and normally you go in and he was going to go in at apprentice apprentice level Mm-hmm. He managed to um, say how a gas turbine was manufactured from start to finish. And someone came out and said, uh, the interviewer came out and spoke to my dad, who also works at the place, and said, oh, uh, it's one of the best interviews we've heard. 
mm. one of the best interviews we've ever sat on the amount of detail they went into. That was Ben just watching when he's committed to something. That is tunnel vision, which is another, um, I guess, another characteristic where you can concentrate on one thing and that is all you concentrate. The reason why Einstein was so brilliant because he had tunnel vision on maybe a, a mathematical puzzle equation he was working yeah. on, all yeah. that. So, but then you also get to the social side. So you get in, you're amazing at these things, but the social side or the sensory side or um, different different impacts that you may you may be suffering from um, sort of let down. So your your ability is just heightened in one place, it seems, and then um, on on the social side, it's it's uh, less. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was also doing a bit of reading and it's kind of interesting that um, boys are actually a lot more um, prone to getting, to being diagnosed with autism. I think it's, I think this, that was one in four, which is kind of, uh, I don't know why that is. Maybe I have to have a doctor on here, but um, they were, it's interesting. Um, my girlfriend, Chloe, she's um, she did psychology and then she's doing speech and language and um, mm-hmm. autism affects speech and language as well. Um, I think a high percentage of uh, people suffering with autism um, can't actually speak, and those are the low functioning, yeah. um, low functioning sides of the disorder. Um, and she said that women have better coping mechanisms, so they may still have mm. it, um, but they're not diagnosed with it because they can cope with right. it better. And this is where early diagnosis, when you identify it, you can put in uh, intervention uh, and. I guess coping mechanisms and you can really help it but women naturally can cope with it better mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm i'm not sure why but that just seems to be the case i mean it seems to be the case for for almost for most you know mental um mental illnesses is that women you know whether it's depression or whatever, whatever it may be women just seem to deal with their feelings and their internal emotions a lot better than men do i think we kind of wild out you know when it's kind of not, you, you you can go to any playground uh, at any time and you can see this kind of unfold which is like when a boy a little boy four years old gets kind of frustrated or whatever his first kind of instinct is to destroy you know like oh Lash i out, couldn't build yeah. the sandcastle the way i wanted to so i'm just Smash gonna kick up. it all over <laughs> yeah whereas like a girl would that's just yeah. not their instinct and i think that kind of that's a very simple form of things but i think that kind of replicates and it kind of um follows you out throughout life if you don't work on it you know it's like oh this doesn't work out let's just get into a fight you know women don't in general anyway they don't necessarily get into fights when they don't agree with someone they'll kind of maybe have an argument but they'll try to explain their point of view whereas the men's exactly. first thing is like i'm just going to smash you to bits because we disagree on like football or something you know yeah, yeah and it's like you see this getting played out and then obviously you put a you put autism on top of that it's even worse a question that i had i was just thinking about um you know, you're talking about the social side of things. And I, one of my biggest helps um, has been in my, my own kind of mental battles it has always been friendship, you know, ha- ha- relying on friends, meeting up with friends, talking to friends, whether it's a phone call or face to face, just always makes me feel better. I never regret meeting up with a friend ever yeah. or talking to a friend. How is that with Ben? Because I imagine, you know, we were talking about not having as much empathy when you're younger. And obviously most of us create our friendships when we're younger and then kind of like, hopefully if you can, carry them through until your older age how is that with ben like 
has he got a kind of a steady group of friends that he's always had to understand him or is it like constantly chopping changing and then the minute he does something you know in a club or wherever it may be they go oh no and they ditch him again they have to start the Um, process all over i think for ben um it's been quite tough so when you when you suffer with with no like say limited empathy and social skill it's quite hard to make those friends in the first place uh and also it's i think it's been dragged into a bad crowd like ben's not a bad person but some of the crowds that he's been part of are not great so it has i don't think he has had the friends who would support him um even if they did know um and the ones that um do know they don't care it's quite well i don't like not really sure but he doesn't have like that support network his support network is his family maybe that's the thing that he would have really benefited from uh a, like a trusting friend that he can go to if he's fallen out with his family then he can go to this friend who he trusts mm. so it is difficult in that and that's and that's where it all, all leads to um there's a i guess a relationship between autism depression and anxiety because of all these reasons i mean like you say like you meet up with a friend you feel better it's almost like a natural like exercise endorphins like when you meet up with a friend maybe your endorphins are released and you feel better yeah (laughs) with um autism when when you struggle to find friends and uh, maintain friendships you don't have that positive um i guess that positive place to go you're always stuck in the same thing you don't have anyone to rely on except family so yeah it's difficult for him yeah and how is it when i'm just thinking like i'm just trying to like correlate my life to his i'm just thinking like when you grow up and you know so he obviously got diagnosed at 14 but then rough you know maybe 15 16 people that's when you start to drink start to go to house parties and so on and so forth how was it with him like how does he like substances like whether it's drugs or drink like how does that for example you know if he was to smoke a joint would that mellow him out or does that actually do the opposite if he has a drink you know some people have a drink to calm themselves down you know i've had a bit of a stressful day <laughs> let me have a glass of wine how does that work with him does that kind think, of yeah some of his uh probably worst happenings have been involving drink and yeah and drugs and stuff but yeah. that's what i mean by the wrong crowds them could get stuck into a good thing and uh another characteristic is wanting excess of things yeah. so if you're on if you're with the wrong crowd and you've been accepted and they're doing this bad stuff you're not going to try cling on to that and go oh this is how i'm going to uh, be part of of something be part of a friendship be part of a or feel like you belong in some in society which is yeah i guess what what ben misses and it is quite sad uh, to see and if they're doing drugs and drinking whatever then ben wants excess he wants to make sure that he stays in that in that circle so if if obviously the right friends came about and they did good things i don't know like football or ben would love football I mean, Ben loves football anyway. It's just um, not blaming it on his on his friends. They just enjoy things that maybe aren't good for Ben, and Ben likes to do things to excess. So, yeah, I mean, but if you think about it as well, though, you know, talking about the friendship group, I think that's a really important point because 
not just autism, but just in, I mean, real life. I mean, it's for, you know, people who quote unquote are normal, um, whatever that means. But, you know, like if you have a good group of friends who, you know, do good things and are positive people and so on and so forth, you are just be- going to become a more positive uh, person. That's just facts. And if you surround yourself by negative people who maybe are doing things that maybe the law wouldn't, um, wouldn't smile on and so on and so forth, you're, you know, what are the chances that you're going to be the next best football player when you're surrounded by gangsters you know like the chances are you're going to become a gangster is if you're surrounded by people who love football and they that's all they talk about is all they think about they just play football constantly the chances are you're going to like you're going to play exactly. football a lot of the time and, and so then if you put again if you put autism on top of that it's just heightened like you say because just it's that feeling which all of us can kind of relate to but then to excess you know? yeah yeah exactly and i think that when you're in your teenage years you sort of have that um rebellion against your against your parents as well so the people you're influenced the most by are your friends and if your friends aren't doing the greatest things like you say the chances are that you're going to be doing the same things which are bad so that's that's why i want to be there for my brother like i generally unconditionally love him Mm. and i want the best for him and Mm. like in the past i haven't been there for him at all i resented him i sort of abandoned him but it's a totally wrong thing to do so <clears throat> life going forward i just want that relationship to be there and i want him to have a fair a fair chance at life yeah a fair, yeah, a fair chance to have a healthy and positive life and to help him overcome the the mental the mental health issues that have came from the mental disorder um yeah I- what what I was going to ask as well. Obviously, I know Ben's. He's got a kid now, right? Um, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Has that has that helped at all? Like, I don't know. Kind of maybe shifting his perspective and his responsibilities onto like the child and kind of making that the center of his universe. Has that kind of helped him at all, or or is that kind of no? When I there? when I see him, um, the child, it's he's probably the most nat. He's got the most natural paternal instincts. Yeah. And it's because uh, well, I don't I don't know why it is because he's he's a really really good dad, um, and he he doesn't really get to see the kid that much, um, mm-hmm. which is sad. But when he's with him, he's really caring. He's so different to how you would imagine. When I say all oh, these different struggles with social, you expect him just to go, oh, can't can't be asked that's not what i don't feel comfortable doing that this is uh, a lot of responsibility and but no he's he's nice to watch and i think he's probably more paternal than what i'd i'd be um, <laughs> i don't know actually how i'd be but like i'd i'd aspire to be like ben yeah as the role of a father yeah and and what uh, you were talking uh, well we were talking kind of off air about like how how um in the moment you know it can seem like a, a catastrophic event or oh, well done you've ruined the day again and this that and the other but then like when you look back on hindsight you actually your family kind of uses humor to yeah. kind of deal with the situation i just want to give a bit of backstory just before you answer my question which is going to be how you know what type of humor do you use and why is it, like funny some funny stories but um mitch like we're talking about ben here but mitch is hardly uh I can't imagine Mitch is the easiest son ever to have either because he has, <laughs> he is a <laughs> Mitch is who people who don't know him is the, probably one of the most unique people you're ever going to meet. Um, I've got autism like, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and uh, just to show like kind of what kind of a madhouse um the uh the hunt household was this is the uh, still to this day is the funniest story ever and i think it will to the my dying days will be the funniest story i've ever come across but one of um the mitch's funniest story in my in my mind mitch's best moment um which he will never peak for as long as he lives was that you uh was it your correct me if i'm wrong on this story right but that your mom found um some pills in a cupboard somewhere in a drawer or something uh no it was my brother who found the oh your uh, brother found the pills. brother found some pills in my um uh i think it was my like chest of drawers yeah and uh accused you of being a drug dealer right which to start with is just hilarious because if you know mitch you wouldn't hurt a fly and do anything like that i mean and and also with with being on topic that shows ben caring even though he was like no you better not be like he, yeah. he wants the best life for me as well i don't know yeah, yeah. paternal side coming out yeah. exactly he really does care and, yeah and so then he so he accused you of being a drug dealer which you would be the worst drug dealer in the history of humanity but anyway your what, what i found the funniest thing is obviously obviously you said i'm obviously not a drug dealer like these aren't drugs and so then when he questioned you okay if they're not drugs then what are they instead of you going well i don't know but like i'm promise you they're not drugs and that'd be the end of the story your kind of conclusion was i don't know but to prove that they're not drugs i'll take them (laughs) which to me is just the logic is is so flawed because it's like well even if they were lsd or whatever it was all that would mean is that you've taken lsd and now you're going to be pinging in your house it doesn't mean (laughs) that's no that's no like proof that they're not drugs anyway you take these two pills how many was it was it just two or well it was a whole um not like a test like is it what are they called vials no right I don't know what. So, okay, so you take like a anyway. You take like I'll a. Take, fairly I'll take large one. I take one, but there's a few in there. Okay. Okay. So you take one to for to prove that this these aren't drugs. However, that proves I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, Mitch ends up in hospital. Um, is it you get your stomach pumped, or they have to like uh, clear your stomach? No. So what I took was in well after I took it. So I thought I thought they were these <laughs> placebo sugar pills that my friend's mum used to uh, give him when he was poorly. It was like just these balls of like sugar water which has been hardened right. and I tasted them. I was like, that doesn't taste like sugar. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to swallow it anyway because I've got to prove a point here. Like this tastes like salt. It turns out <laughs> they were pills for the fish, cleaning the fish tank. And it has uh, a chemical which is potassium chlorate in. And I'm there, Izzy, Izzy comes in saying, oh, there's my, those are my fish cleaning um, tank tablets. I was like, oh, oh okay. And um, Ben starts reading it. He's quite worried about me. He starts reading up and going, oh, Mitch, have a read of this. Like, we need to get you some help now. I was like, why? Like, it's the smallest thing ever. And he's read potassium chlorate. Uh, if digested possible symptoms and consequences um, if that's the right word are starts off um, nausea okay fine dizziness and then it starts getting more and more serious liver failure Uh, (laughs) liver failure cardiac arrest stroke and then the last one death and i'm just like wait a minute (laughs) so and then uh, okay so this when we've read all this up and whatever um Ben, I'm, I need to ring an ambulance for you because, um, like this, this, this is ser- this could be quite serious. <coughs> um, rings the ambulance. They, they said, "Oh, um, we'll um, 
we can't get to you right now. So dad has to come home from work, pick me up and drive me to, to the nearest hospital, which you know in where we're from can take a while yeah. to get to in the middle of nowhere. Um, so get there. They see me. I say, I've digested this pill, says the symptoms of this, the renup. They're like, okay, no one has experience because obviously there's nobody um, <laughs> quite like me. Mm. Um, okay. And goes, all right, it'll, it'll be fine. We can put you in an emergency bed and we can, um, um, they can like reverse symptoms or take out my digestion system, which would mean my stomach would get pumped. They said, um, how long ago did you take it? Uh, I said, probably verging on about two hours now and they said okay well we can't do that we're just gonna have to um just treat symptoms as they can i said i've read one of, one of the symptoms is death and they said unfortunately yeah that's possible i was like what is going on right now <laughs> surely surely not this this is just unbelievable and first thing first i was like well if i'm gonna die from this we're gonna definitely document it so started doing the snapchat story which i don't have anymore but um so they put me in uh put me in like was it emergency monitoring uh ward or whatever so they strap me up they're taking my blood every hour which most horrendous jabs ever are arterial uh blood taken oh. so they stab in through your wrist it's called a blind a blind oh. um injection or not inject what do they call it when you take blood out is that an injection though uh i don't know i was gonna say infusion but that doesn't sound right either i was gonna say no idea it was definitely infusion of blood and potassium chloride (laughs) (laughs) they take this blood out it's horrible i'm in there for 24 hours and literally can't get out of my bed um on heart monitors i was like all this to prove that i wasn't a drug dealer which i knew i wasn't yeah yeah well i definitely proved it i definitely wasn't would have made a lot of money selling potassium chloride that's for certain would have been uh, so, a hefty. <laughs> I would have so been before if I was selling them. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so to anyone who's not listening, to anyone who doesn't know Mitchell, like Mitchell's family, this is like forget Ben. This is what happens. This is what the quote unquote normal son in the family, <laughs> the one, the one who doesn't suffer from autism, he um, does. So that's just the mad household that which is yeah. famous in Lincolnshire from where we're from. <laughs> but you were saying, you were saying that like. um you're saying about uh, Ben and like how you how you guys use kind of humor to help deal with it and not take it all so seriously and just to understand that look sometimes these things happen and and the best things to do are to laugh it which I think is like such a commendable thing and I think can really help you know even I always hear Ricky Gervais talking about like how at his mum's funeral or mum's or his dad's I think his mum's funeral like they would wind up the vicar and tell tell the vicar like false things about the mum's <laughs> when he'd read it out and then they would start laughing everyone's like oh my god you're the worst people he's like no look like we're not laughing that my mum's dead obviously that's horribly sad but we're just using laughter as a way to cope yeah you know do you have have any examples of those i I just love ricky gervais's attitude have you seen uh afterlife Uh, i the reason i just watched it yesterday the whole thing like it's amazing yeah it's so Um, good it's his perspective on life is why why would you want to spend life been obviously there's things that you you grieve and you're upset about but you can't let it take over your life you've only got one of them so it's better yeah and the best thing to do is laugh like it's the most powerful thing it's the most uplifting thing so even though these horrible things have happened and the family ben are battling against his autism and we're still we're still a really tight-knit group and i wouldn't change anything obviously Mm. it would be easy if autism wasn't a part but like i generally love all of them and we're so light-hearted as a family as well um 
been times like when it's been <laughs> kicked off and so when it's just like bits of banter like there's no there's just sat around reminiscing like you do on holiday just talking about what things yeah. have happened in the past and just looking back and just making jokes out of those bad situations and yeah it's like like when i come on here and say at least buddy had a good meal on christmas like yeah these things are not expected no one deserves to be put through them as a family and christmas time should be great but as long as you can look back at these learn from them and laugh and those are the qualities that i respect most in my family especially my yeah. parents they both just take everything with such positivity and well i think that's rubbed off rubbed off on me and even even my brother and, and my sister my brother laughs at himself um even even though he's struggling he just laughs at his his conditions and things that like he's done in the yeah. past and and that's 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 the best thing for it. it's the most healthy thing for it as well just looking yeah, back 100%. and going, I can't believe this happened. This was so bad, but finding the finding a, a funny bit, I'm sat here just laughing at things that have happened in the past. Like, so me with head injuries. You remember me at St George's <laughs> when we yeah, played yeah. the football, and I got brain. Well, well, um, I got knocked unconscious. It's been a few of them with Ben. So it's mainly around sports. So we're playing, um, playing uh, mini golf. Uh, I think it was in Spain. <laughs> uh, I think I and know this one. Accused him of being a cheater and a rat to the club around his leg. So it's not always Ben that causes shit. <laughs> <Because of the laughs> yeah. shit my family. Um, I'm quite competitive and I get in. That's, that's the worst side of me when I get competitive. So I wrap this golf yeah. club around his legs. And then Ben, probably I deserve it, lobbed the golf club. So I'm running away at this point because I know, oh shit, like, he's not going to let that go. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just coming straight after me. Uh, throws it i didn't look back but i can only imagine it's something off like tom and jerry when there's like a golf <laughs> golf club swinging behind me and rotating and then lucky enough for me the big metal bit at the end smashed into the back of my head <laughs> and not just spark out not just spark out and bleeding uh, out on the golf course and <laughs> the sisters uh sis had to basically get topless to put um a t-shirt over the back of my head because i was bleeding out there's been like table tennis feuds where i've beaten him at table tennis he's got a good aim to be fair to him i don't know yeah. if, it's, if that's a characteristic of autism but i don't think he's ever missed i <laughs> <laughs> love the table tennis bat across the table and like the one thing that i want to make clear to everyone is that my my brother even though the things that he's done it's not him it's not a choice it's it's a proper i I really could only explain it something takes over his body like you know when you see red yeah yeah one of them you don't know what happens sort of thing ben's yeah when ben's been ben it's he's like so nice he always like cooks for the family he's the most caring he's he's probably got he's it's really difficult to say because I'm saying some things, but in different situations, like like you say, it's always if you catch someone on a bad day, on a good day, on a good day, Ben is more caring and more of a probably nice person than even me. Like I'm quite distant, I'm quite a floater. I yeah yeah. So he on a good day, Ben's really really like a friend that you want in your life, most caring person remember sometimes at school when i used to be like worried about going back for some reason i was like crying in my bed oh, i don't want to go back and he would sit with me and just talk me through it reassure me so although we focus on 
the bits that the negative bits that autism uh, causes and stuff there is like there's some gem- genuinely nice things that happen in the yeah. family so I don't want to come on here and say oh brother's done this brother's done that like like unconditional love for brother like we're in a really good place because I've started to understand so maybe it's a thing that I wasn't doing mm. I wasn't choosing to be an idiot and I was like oh just like whatever you you're choosing to make life a misery it's not him yeah. this is also I should learn about that earlier might have yeah. been able to cope with it a bit more but now like it's it's really good like talk on the phone a lot playing the xbox quite a lot together so so it's a That's nice place that we're in it's good but yeah yeah it's and also you whatever situation you're in you must learn from it so i have loads mm. of situations now and say if it's conflict to even work or conflict with friends i just go well i'm i'm used to dealing with these like i guess not not heated but conflicts and i know how to act like dad's obviously yeah. um dad is, is a manager at work and he has learned so much from i guess in a way managing ben because parents basically manage you don't don't they yeah try and get yeah. the best out of you he said i've learned so much on how to deal with um conflicts at work and situations it's it's yeah just learn from even how bad a situation is just learn from it so when you're in it again or when you're in something similar or a situation that relates to it in some way that you can you learn from it and you can deal with it in the best way and remain positive and get the best outcome from it so i i mean 100 and i think you know the more and more i have these conversations with people on this podcast there's like one key theme that kind of just always comes through And, uh, and that just seems to be compassion, you know, and it's just that if you can, um, affront a circumstance or a situation compassionately rather than with anger and, and hatred, it kind of irrespective of what that problem is, obviously there's variant levels of, you know, how bad things can be, but kind of irrespective of those levels, you'll always kind of come out of it and you can always solve that. There's no problem that's unsolvable. You know, if you come at it with compassion and I think obviously your parents will have to do that and, and have been doing that and will probably do that for the rest of their lives. You've kind of, it's something that you're telling saying now that maybe before when you were younger, you weren't as compassionate, which is just normal. I think that's just human growth. Um, and now you are, and that's, why your relationship with ben your brother is so much better than what it could be and and i'm sure will improve as as you go on and you get even more compassionate you know and he gets more compassionate and and all of these things i think it, the compassion is is like i said it's the key theme that comes out in all of these conversations and exactly i think you yeah, i've learned a it, lot i've learned a lot from these from these podcasts for example speaking well you speaking uh with tom Mm. I took so much inspiration from that where you go and you're in a situation you feel down and the positive positivity that Tom shows I I will never question in anything that happens in life how can how like you've got to put things in relative terms don't you yeah Tom's yeah, absolute in- inspiration like I, I yeah really love Tom yeah put things into perspective that's what, that's my biggest key like we, we always do um how do you keep your shit together and we'll probably do that in a couple of minutes now with you but my biggest one to people is try to keep things in perspective you know and that doesn't mean that like your problems aren't worth worrying about because but what i mean it's just like look have the time to assess your problems and to dwell on them and, and, and you know and to have a bit of self-pity that's absolutely fine but just try to make sure that because you know 
um, I think actually, I think actually in Afterlife 2, Ricky Gervais says it's something along the lines of like, you know, um, grief and all that type of thing and dwelling and self-pity can actually become addictive because you know where you stand with it. And I think the thing is with me is just keep perspective, you know? So if you have a problem, for example, Ben, you know, Ben can, or you, or you have an argument with Ben, obviously, you know, you, you have the right to be annoyed and to be upset and whether that's obviously fine. But then it's just a thing of like, okay, well, let's, I can't let this carry on forever and keep things in perspective and for me you know it is thinking about someone like tom thinking and we go god if they can be positive in their in their journey on life then i have no reason not to be you know and it really kind of helps me kind of put things into perspective and keep things in gear and and that's what the, my biggest thing is um and that's what it was that's what it's all about you know that's why we have these conversations is just to get people who you know maybe for example on this one autism i don't think it's that I don't think people speak about it that much. Um, like you said, because it's probably, especially if you're high functioning, it's almost an invisible um, kind of disease or illness. Uh, and so people don't, you know, it's, all, it's like the thing with depression, you know, I think depression has come in, has come become popular now, but beforehand, again, that's almost kind of invisible because people can put yeah. on a really good front. I remember when I was, you know, quite depressed at home and I was, you know, I, you know me, I'm always the happy go lucky guy in our friendship group. I and then have, I would never have an idea that you, yeah, exactly. You because, really. 100% because because I thought that was my role you know within the friendship group my like your role is to be the funny silly one to make everyone laugh my role is to be like again kind of like you and like happy lucky make everyone like cheery up and and that's what my role was so then I would go home and I'd be like upset at myself but I wouldn't show that to other people and so depre- depression is almost invisible you know depending if you can kind of wear those two masks and and I think that's this whole thing it's just this podcast is just to bring more compassion yeah. towards whatever it is, whether it's autism, whether it's people like Tom have cancer, whether it's depression, uh, anxiety, you know, uh, drug alcohol, uh, drug addiction or alcohol addiction, all of these things where we can, instead of just writing people off, oh, he's a lost cause. Oh, there's no point anymore. You know, oh, that's it. Forget about that person. Come at it with compassion and you'll more than likely solve the problem, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And there's so much learning and like, I really push people to keep listening because, it's so it seems to be always the same answer it comes back to compassion but it's from loads of different problems so with um and and it's all about talking as well and being open and this is what that podcast this podcast really provides a platform f- uh, for so i never thought i'd come on and start speaking about my brothers were always quite private and yeah i didn't want to um talk about it i didn't want to open up about family life which was struggling and i didn't want to mm. bad mouth anyone but the thing is like when you come on you sort of have that feeling to like we said to actually think about what someone's going through and going I'm not choosing to be like this it's not it's really calculating your feelings calculating some what someone else might be going through yeah I, and and you know i think as well the reason i started this podcast with jim is because when i was going through all of my shit I yeah I I couldn't help it I tried to keep things in but then eventually I kind of exploded and I spoke to friends and you know by me opening up they would open up and I'm talking you know friend you yeah Tash Ollie Josh Craig whoever it may be and even though we're best mates you know we we are the typical kind of group of lads who maybe didn't well at least beforehand we were we didn't really open up to each other you know we we're best mates but actually we never really spoke in depth about anything it was just kind of all superficial shit and then the more and more i spoke to people the more you go oh like he's dealing with stuff she's dealing with stuff there yeah. so everyone who and i think our culture doesn't help it because on instagram the whole thing is show your best life always you know pictures on 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 
in the most amazing holiday destinations pictures you know if you're in a couple always it's always you never it's always pictures of them smiling kissing blah 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 we know no relationships always like that you're always gonna have arguments but that's how our culture yeah. is right we, we kind of sh- put everything under the rug and show the best parts and when i had these conversations offline i realized that almost everyone had something they were dealing with right yeah. and so then i thought well if this is the case there's going to be so many more people and since doing these podcasts you know i'm sure you're going to have people reach out to you after this one people who i've never spoken to ever uh, or who i haven't spoken to in years or whatever it may be reach out and go oh my god that podcast that you did with this person or this person really touched me really kind of hit a nerve and and blah blah blah, blah. i'm going to carry on listening or whatever and you don't know like how far you're your experiences can help someone else and even if it's just you know you might be listening so there might be someone who listens to this now who may be in mitch hunt's shoes when he was 15 years old you know mm-hmm. and maybe they might go oh well actually you know what maybe i should be more understanding towards my brother or sister or whoever it is my cousin who has autism you know yeah. and and i just think if we can all kind of take that lesson then then that's why we have these conversations and that's why we'll continue to have them yeah. you know there's loads of transferable learnings from each each of these um episodes in your podcast yeah i mean not knowing what someone's going through like in um in the one with leah to, f- to f- yeah. think that she was suffering with anxiety was just like oh like you never expect expect no, that the, the, like, like you said the in the popular in episode, girl, yeah, and, popular girl yeah. who was who was really she was always quite nice she would never always nice and always confident you would never ever yeah. ever know what was going through uh what's going on in her head and yeah yeah and and that's the thing you know these things don't discriminate it's not like oh people you know anxiety depression autism whatever it may be these can come about to anyone and they can afflict anyone it's not like oh it's a certain group of people that get these problems no everyone gets them everyone deals with them and so the more and more we talk about it and make it just natural you know because the the whole point of this podcast which is why we do what's the crack at the start of this podcast is that what we want is we want people in their own lives to to say you know oh well it's what's the crack or however you want to say that question how are you but to actually want a response rather than going hey what's up and then just start talking no ask them like ask your friends hey what's up and expect like really kind of want a response and listen to that response you know and if they go yeah i'm good go are you actually good like really or and if they are absolutely fantastic but like but delve a bit deeper because sometimes people need that push you know the time they won't be no one yeah no, no one has a perfect life no exactly and so if we could just all be there for people then that's just that's what it's all about just before we end on this i just want to i get your how do you get your shit together um so i'm gonna play the little jingle so you can maybe uh get your answer uh and then you can maybe share some some little secrets with us ready (laughs) so i'm just gonna play the beautiful jingle which is how do you get your shit together hi bifa (laughs) <laughs> yeah boy let me do some mc in swiss beats <laughs> <laughs> okie dokie right um Whoa. so mitchy boy if you want to tell us how you through your experiences have learned to keep on top of your shit that right be- uh so personally my poison is idleness um Mm -hmm. i can't deal with it so i'll I'll just stay busy in whatever i'm doing um identify something where if you spend hours doing it and 
you come off it and go, what have I just done? I feel like in a slump. Spend as little time doing that and more time on the things that energize you. So in my life now, um, there's obviously an accountancy qualification that I'm doing, things that are productive. So work's productive, accounts, things that you generally think that add happiness to your life and are of benefit to you. Um, try and do as much as that. Um, on a bit more specific, I, like you, started doing yoga, which yes. I found out that most unflexible man in the world, probably. <laughs> I think probably a breadstick's more flexible than me. Uh, um, but it's all these things which just make you feel nice and just focus on those things. Don't always think, as we've spoken about in the um as we've spoken about earlier, always think about not just face value about what you're seeing. Always take a pinch of salt with when you, if you do spend an hour for Instagram and you're going through a hard time, you're reading through Instagram, everyone's got a perfect life. Think that that isn't, that is face value. There's more, yeah. there's a, there's a buried life sort of thing that you're not seeing. Um, learn to laugh as well. I mean, laughing is the most powerful thing and also just take the mick out yourself. Yeah, one hundred. I one hundred percent agree with that last point. I think that's the the biggest thing. Laughter in the face of however serious it is, I think really, really um, can help you. Give you even if it's just momentary relief, you know, just yeah. like a two minutes. And or, or, or you know, when you have that, when you properly belly laugh, whether your sides <laughs> ache, there's nothing. There's just nothing in the world that feels better than that, just ever. And Tesh I think Pikachu, exactly. <laughs> Tesh Pikachu face. Um, that's an inside <laughs> joke for people who are like, what are they going about? But, um, you know, if you can do those things, I think like, and I think it's such a powerful tool because if you can take humor out of something that seems really dark, you know, taking Ricky Gervais' example of like his mum dying, mm-hmm. but if you can make parts of that humorous then it's like a skill because then you can make anything humorous you know it doesn't have to just be a knock knock joke that's funny if you can make something like you said oh well at least buddy got a good meal out of it like if you can make something a little bit funny it just eases it and takes the pressure off takes you know? that edge like, off yeah yeah i yeah. think that's such a good one yeah. so don't be, we'll don't leave be it on that one yeah sorry it's just one thing don't no, be no, no, no. sorry yeah. just don't Go be on. ashamed of any any thing that you think you're alone on and that you're struggling on don't be ashamed that you're struggling just yeah, talk 100%. about it be open about it you'll find that people are struggling with the same thing and more people who are struggling with it there's there's less to be ashamed about 100 percent, 100 percent. well that's beautiful um we'll leave it there mitch thanks so much for coming on and thanks and for having me your brother. um i think it's been really insightful and hopefully guys if you've liked this um like rate subscribe it really helps us to get this message out there the more um kind of five star ratings that we get and comments that we get the more apple and spotify share the podcast to other people so really please do that if you've enjoyed it pass this particular podcast episode on to anyone who you think may benefit from this or who's uh, who has autism or knows of someone who has autism and can maybe help them kind of understand understand it a bit more but um until next time guys keep safe bye-bye